0: Throughout human history, basic materials have been driven to the forefront of innovation. From the nickel that helped build everything from cars, trains, and stainless steel kitchens everywhere, to the very cloth that's been holding things together since the beginning of time, scientists continue to expand our idea of what goes into the building blocks of modern life. As a fabric evolution turns thread into a robot, a world of adaptive clothing and self-deploying shelters becomes possible. At the same time, a nickel revolution is underway, but it doesn't come without environmental risks. Heavily used in electrical car batteries, companies are mining the mineral at high volume, hoping to change the future of transportation without wreaking havoc on the natural world. As we roboticize fabric and transform basic minerals, we not only create crucial inventions that can change how we live, but lasting symbols of human ingenuity as well. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Our first story is about how one precious mineral is shaping the future of transportation. As the demand for electric car batteries escalates, companies are working tirelessly to mine nickel without putting the planet in peril. Our second story looks at what could spark the next tech revolution— a standalone platform for incredibly strong robotic fabrics. This invention could eventually lead to self-deploying structures and shape-changing machinery that may enable breakthroughs in medicine, the military, and our everyday lives. This is The Abstract, a look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now, everything you wanted to know about nickel and why it's Elon Musk's new favorite mineral. mining companies out there please mine more nickel wherever you are in the world please mine more nickel don't wait for nickel to go back to some high point that you experienced some five years ago or whatever go for efficient as environmentally friendly nickel mining at high volume tesla will give you a giant contract for a long period of time if you mine nickel efficiently and in an environmentally sensitive way so hopefully this message goes out to so all mining companies please get nickel During a 2020 webcast presentation made by Tesla's top management, CEO Elon Musk discussed the crucial need for more nickel mines. Nickel, of course, is a natural occurring mineral that humanity has interacted with for several millennia. The Nickel Institute, a trade organization that represents nickel mining operations around the world, estimates that there are around 30 million tons of nickel globally, making it the fifth most common mineral in the world. Around two-thirds of the world's nickel is used to make stainless steel, found in waste management treatment plants, trains, cars, and endless amounts of products in your kitchen. A 2019 report from the United States Geological Survey noted that the production of nickel chemicals has increased, particularly nickel sulfate, which is used in production of batteries. While the mineral is in high demand for a variety of reasons, Tesla and other electric vehicles are starting to really make an impact for that reason. So in order to satisfy the demands for nickel and stainless steel, as well as the increasing demand for nickel into electric vehicle batteries, where will all this nickel come from? That's what Elon Musk wants to know. And with nickel mines associated with health risks such as cancer and serious birth defects, do the environmental liabilities become too dangerous of a cost? Also an excellent question. Here to talk more about the complex task of dramatically increasing nickel production while also keeping things environmentally friendly is staff writer at Inverse David Grossman. Hey, David, welcome back. Hey, Tonya. Always great to be back. So nickel is a bigger deal than I'm sure a lot of people realize in the general sense. Can you first help us understand how it really has, in a sense, built the modern world? Absolutely.
1: Nickel is a naturally-occurring mineral that has been so useful to humanity that we've really sort of taken it for granted at this point. Historians believe that it's been used for over 2,000 years, so it has been a part of human society for a long, long time. And today you might know it best, listeners might know it best, from stainless steel. If you have any stainless steel pots or pans, those are made out of nickel. Nickel is used uh, in cars, trains, waste management plants, sort of the thing that helped keep the world going a lot. And now it had this exciting new use in batteries and in, in batteries for electric cars.
0: Right. And that's obviously uh, electric cars. Big deal. You look at someone like Elon Musk and his path toward an electric car future. You always hear that conversation about nickel. What makes it so useful in terms of this new era, in terms of batteries and the future of technology?
1: Well, nickel is often used not just by itself, but as an alloy um, with other metals, and it's very, very adaptable. It can be used with many other minerals and many other metals— it has a very high melting point, which makes it great for batteries and cars, where it can get very hot. And it has a resistance to corrosion; it doesn't rust easily. It can really, you know, take water. It can, you know, take air. It can take a lot of elements very, very well. And that's one, and that's one of the reasons car makers have used it ever since uh, the Prius. Really, the uh, the first electric cars um, that were at least mass produced, they have been using nickel significantly ever since. Now, the problem comes in with all those earlier things I've mentioned to you. Um, Stainless steel, stainless steel pots and pans, obviously, though, they're very common. Being used in the hull of ships, there are a lot of ships in the world. And so while the uses for nickel are increasing rapidly, the, the amount of nickel in the world is staying the same. It's just a mineral. So that kind of leads to it becoming much more expensive and now we're at kind of a point where different factions are, you know, fighting with each other over how they can get nickel. You see Elon Musk, at, you know, kind of almost putting a public ask out there, please, if anyone can get nickel safely and ethically, please, I want to talk to you.
0: Well, see, that brings up an important point, too, this ethical side of it, because let's talk about some of the um, the downsides here. We're hearing about the negative impacts of nickel mines and the environmental havoc. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely. Just as nickel has been one of those forces that have built the modern world, you know, the modern world isn't perfect. There are a lot of environmental problems in the modern world, and nickel is certainly a part of that. I mentioned earlier that nickel has a very, very high temperature needed for melting, around 1,400 degrees. That high temperature makes it hard to melt down as part of an alloy, and that requires incredible amounts of force and energy to, like, manipulate it. You get a lot of dirty liquid byproducts, like slag, a very gross, liquidy, sludgy material that you really don't want to be around. It can make the air toxic. You know, plants, uh, rivers near nickel plants have turned blood red. They've spewed out millions of tons of carbon dioxide. They k- they've killed animals. Local populations around nickel plants have been known to get a lot more diseases. Ear, nose, and throat diseases. A lot of, uh, sometimes children are born with deformities at higher rates around nickel plants. And all of that also adds up. You've seen nickel plants in the past that are, especially in Australia, that are profitable on the face of it. But they incur so many uh, environmental fines and environmental costs that it's not even worth it to do that. So it's, it's, it's a real trade-off with nickel. And that's why Elon Musk is pushing safe and ethical so hard. Although, if someone can n- mine nickel in a better way, it remains to be seen.
0: Right. Yeah. And, you know, as Tesla, as Elon Musk continues toward its, um, you know, path towards global domination, let's call it, and not to bring everything back to that, as we often do as on this podcast, but how do you see that path forward? How do you see this balancing out um, the ethical and practical matters? You know, I just wonder if Tesla is going to be able to pull that off. What do you think?
1: Well, it's tough. This is the growing challenge of electric cars, which have been pushed very hard as an environmental positive. They also have this dirty side to them. They have nickel. And it's not just nickel. It's also lithium um, uses up a lot of water and is very destructive to the environment as well. Um, Recently, an indigenous group in Russia asked Elon Musk to stop using a Russian plant uh, for nickel mining, citing those environmental differences. We'll see if he responds to that.
0: Yeah, we shall see. It's an interesting look at where we stand as we try to, you know, just grapple with all of these issues at hand. There's more to be read at Inverse.com. In the meantime, David, thanks so much. Tanya, it's my pleasure. A new Yale study says it's time to expand our idea of what fabric can do. Up now, how the future of fabric is robotic providing life-changing advances in medicine and the military. Nitinol, otherwise known as memory metal. Nitinol wire. This is no ordinary wire. This is nitinol metal. Wire made of nickel and titanium, which remembers a predetermined shape. A shape memory alloy that stretches and contracts with heat. What is a shape memory alloy?
1: This is the shape memory alloy. If I heat it up, the torch. It's showing what's called the shape memory effect. See, it returns to its original shape. And when I heat it up, it returns back to its original programmed shape. But now, what if I wanted to form into a shape that's different? What I can do.
0: A team from Yale has developed what could be the next evolution, a standalone platform for tremendously strong fabric that's a robot. A fabric robot can stand up on its own, it can stiffen up to support weight, and then it can soften to change shape or to return flat. Creating a robotic fabric like this? No easy task. To get the job done, the study authors used a fabric-like material called nitinol SMA wire, which can remember its shape and return to its original formation. It just needs to be heated above a certain temperature. It's all detailed in a September 2020 study published in The Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. The team also had to add sensors to the fabric to enable it to understand and react to changes in the environment. Researchers believe this technology can be leveraged to create everything from self-deploying tents to robotic parachutes and even assistive clothing. Here to talk more about how roboticizing fabrics opens up a world full of futuristic possibilities is Inverse's David Grossman. Hey, David, how's it going? Going great, Tanya. How are you? Good. I'm uh, looking at the pictures we have up at Inverse.com of how this fabric folds and how it folds itself and how it has the durability to pull that off. The driving force behind the tech involved is this night and all SMA wire, right? Can you walk us through... What exactly is happening to make this all work?
1: Absolutely, yes. This nitinol SMA wire, which sounds very fancy because it is very fancy, unlike other wire, or cords you may see around your house, this can remember its shape and return to its original formation even after multiple distortions, even when heated above critical temperatures. So it can, like, return to form very easily. It kind of naturally does that. And then, from the, and this is where the study gets really interesting, because you have this very advanced type of wire, and then you mix that with what's called couching, and which has been used in sewing since the Middle Ages. So it's a really n- interesting mixture of tech that has been in place for hundreds of years versus,
0: like some of the some of the most cutting edge. Mhm. That old meets new and looking to more of the newer tech involved. And this becomes super convenient for camping purposes. There are actually sensors involved that can react to changes in the environment. How exactly does that work?
1: Well, the team used a conductive ink. So the the, the sensors are this type of ink that they were able to print onto the fabric itself and that creates what researchers describe as the here I'm quoting quote an electrically conductive pathway that changes in resistance as the fabric weave is stretched so the fabric itself is, in a sense, at least the ink is aware of when it is being moved, aware of when it is being pulled, and that can certainly come from changes in the environment. You know, heat can make uh, materials stretch out, rain can add weight, and can snow, and all that sort of thing. So it's able to react very sensitively to those environments.
0: And it's important to note that this goes, or it can go, far beyond high-tech camping, I was reading how there's a lot of potential, medically speaking, and could even provide use in the military. They're generally thinking pretty big as far as where we can go with this, it seems.
1: Right. Those are some of the first uses that scientists are looking at, and medical uses especially. In their first test, the fabric made itself into a tourniquet. Obviously, that could have uses in the military when you're dealing with a lot of violence because it also has first aid and first responder uses. And the potential for this technology kind of really um, runs neck and neck with how cheaply it can be made and how quickly it can be made. Because the cost of it and getting the cost down is the number one priority for mass producing any technology like this. Ideally, you could look at self-building tents, load-bearing furniture. We are a long way away from that. These are the very, very preliminary versions the researchers want to like make sure everyone knows that these are like, the first days of this, but it certainly is an exciting development.
0: Yeah, there's the idea that this could you know be the Lycra of our generation. Like you said, there's more work to be done, but do you think we'll actually get there eventually so we can say something like that? I think
1: we can. I think we can. Again, it's all a matter of prioritization of what gets the right type of funding, both at government and private levels. You know, there are a lot of things that go into what funds a proof of concept like this, And then making it reality. So it will take a lot of sizable investment, but it's certainly possible.
0: Yeah, I think a robot fabric future seems pretty plausible at this point, actually. Listeners can check out the full story at Inverse.com. Thanks so much, David. Tanya, my pleasure. Head to inverse.com to read more about the future of robotic fabric as well as the nickel revolution. You can click on the link in the show notes for all stories we talked about today. If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find The Abstract and other podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. Find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture and entertainment at inverse.com. Got something to say? Email us at theabstract at inverse.com with any questions, suggestions, story ideas, and anything else on your mind. Look for The Abstract Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening.